Good morning, church. How is everyone doing? Everyone? All right. I got a well. That's good. I hope you're all doing well. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here in Holland Chapel. We're just so grateful uh, that you are with us this morning. I know I say that every week, that we're grateful that you're, that you're here, and I hope it doesn't sound redundant because I promise, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, I'm glad that you have chosen Holland Chapel as your place of worship. I'm glad you're here. As you know, we're still in our sermon series called The Journey. And last week we talked all about difficult people. And we what we did is we said, hey, if you've got a difficult person in your life, raise your hand. And it was pretty universal. Everybody across the board raised their hand and recognized that they've got that person in their life that's difficult to love, difficult to be around. And we talked all about how we need to learn how to navigate that person and love them like Christ loved them. So I hope this past week that you loved that person well. Did you? Glad you listened. Glad you listened. I hope you love that person really, really well. Well, last week we posed the question, you know somebody difficult, and hands went up all over the room. This morning, the topic that we're going to talk about may not be so universal. It may not be a topic that's shared amongst everyone, but nevertheless, it's a topic that I feel like affects many people in this room. And I've given the title of this message today this. Remember, we're on our journey, and we're dealing with things. It's called Help. My spouse isn't with me on the journey. Help. My spouse isn't with me. So what I want to do is just kind of change the tone a little bit because I understand wholeheartedly that this particular topic can be one that is very emotional. It can bring up a lot of emotions in your heart. And so I just want to have a conversation with you to get this morning started. Okay, so I want you to tune in. I want you to phase out, like, oh, he's sitting down, it's going to be boring. No. Tune in. Some of you may be thinking, oh, great, okay, I'm, I'm not married. Whew, I, I get a pass. Well, I'm going to talk to you in just a moment. Or maybe you're thinking, uh, man, we're in a good place. My wife and I, or my husband and I, we are serving the Lord together. We both love him. Everything's great. Well, well listen, it, it's always wise to put tools in the tool belt in case the wheels fall off. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Or, or, or maybe you've got kids that are grown and they're, they're, they're dating or maybe they're just getting married and maybe they're not making the, the best decisions and you're praying, Lord, how, how, can I, how can I step in? How can I counsel them in this decision that they're making? So whatever it is, wherever you're at, I want you to tune in. I think the Lord has something for you this morning. So what exactly am I talking about today? Well, it could look something it could look something like this. Maybe you're married. You profess Jesus. You're, you're following passionately after him. You love him with everything that you have. Your spouse professes Jesus, but they're just not there with you for a lot of it. Maybe you attend worship by yourself. Maybe you serve by yourself. Maybe 
Christ is not all that present in your marriage. Maybe Christ is not all that present in your parenting and you're just growing weary. Or, or, or maybe this, this is you. Maybe you're a Christian, but long ago you found the right one. He was just so handsome, you couldn't run away. But he wasn't a believer and you married him anyway. And now, many years later, you're facing the reality of that decision as you serve the Lord by yourself. Or maybe you're in this category, and I'm sure I'm going to miss one, but maybe this is the category that you're in. You got married, you both were unbelievers, and God showed up in a miraculous way and saved you, and you're still longing for your spouse to, to get saved and serve the Lord with you. Regardless of what category or what exactly the situation that you're in, if you find yourself pursuing the Lord without your spouse, this morning is for you. And I know it can be very emotional. And if you're here by yourself, you may feel like the spotlight is on you and you may feel more alone than ever. I want to assure you, I want to encourage you that you are not alone, that God sees you, that God wants to comfort you, that God wants to bless you, and he wants to help you. You're not forgotten you're not alone he's for you or maybe this morning you're a husband and you're feeling a little defeated because you're trying to lead your wife and she's just not following so you feel like a failure or maybe for the wife you're just weary of coming to church by yourself, doing everything by yourself, and you feel all alone. The, the reason that we feel this so deeply, if this is our situation, is because this topic of husband, wife, pursuing the Lord together goes all the way back to Genesis. When God establishes the marriage, when God sets husband and wife apart, and scripture says two become one. That's way more than just physical. It's mental, it's spiritual, it's emotional, it's physical. It's all of those things. And when one is pursuing Christ with everything and the other isn't, you feel it, do you not? You feel it because your souls are knit together. That's why when things aren't well, you feel it so very deeply. Because God has a beautiful design and your current situation is outside that design. And you feel it. And if you're being totally honest with yourself this morning, you, you may feel like there's not a lot of hope. You may feel very hopeless if this is your situation. I move around a lot, I'm going to get this out of my way. And you may feel a little, a little hopeless. This morning, I want to use the Word of God to speak hope into your situation. Because remember, the journey consists of the people of God looking at the Word of God as we pursue God. And I think it's full of helpful guidance for you if this is where you find yourself this morning. So there's going to be a question on the screen, and this is going to help kick things off. 
How can I, or how to remain hopeful in what seems like a hopeless situation? Because that may be you this morning. You're wondering, is there any hope in my situation? I want to give you some help. The first thing that I want to take note of, if you're writing notes, if you're keeping up, remember, this, this is for everybody. This is for every marriage, okay? There's a lot of practical, helpful information this morning. The first thing is that you are a means of grace for your spouse. You are a means of grace for your spouse. And I think of all of them, this may fill you with the most hope, that, that God's got you there for a reason. Or perhaps you may have resided to this thought in your marriage, that it's not up to me to change them. You know, I, I'm, I'm tired. Like I, it's not up to me to correct them or to change their behavior. And to some extent, you might be right. Because we ultimately know that it's only God that can do the changing. Amen? It's only God that can work those miracles. But perhaps... God's got you in that very situation as a means of grace for your spouse so that when they look at you, they can see Jesus. They can see his example. That when you go home, you are a representation of the gospel for your spouse. This should start to fill your heart with a little hope this morning. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. It's going to be on the screen if you want to follow along there. Verse 1 and 2. It says, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Listen, ladies in the room, if this is you, if this is where you find yourself this morning, and you've never underlined, you've never dog-eared, you've never highlighted that passage in the Word of God, I need you to do it this morning. That passage alone should give your marriage some purpose, that should give your life some hope, that simply by the way that you're living your life in front of your husband can ultimately be the reason he comes to Christ. It can point him to Jesus. It can help in his sanctification. It can help him look more like Christ. And you're probably thinking, well, that's great, man. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man in here, and I'm, I'm following the Lord, but my wife is not with me. What do we have for here? Well, I'm so thankful that the Word of God doesn't leave a stone unturned. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I need you in your own time to just read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. There's so much good there. But what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 7 is he's already addressed a lot of other scenarios, but what he's talking about in this moment is when one spouse believes and the other doesn't. And here's what he says in verse 16. He says, don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? You see, what this means is that God most definitely wants to use you in this marriage to point your spouse to Jesus, the only one that can change them. That's what Paul is saying. Don't you understand that the power of the Holy Spirit living within you can be the reason your spouse 
comes to Christ. And, and not just your, your spouse come to Christ, but if your spouse professes Christ, if it has enough power to draw them to salvation, it most definitely has enough power to draw them into sanctification. If your husband is just a knot on a log and he won't do anything to help you in your marriage, man, live a life of reverence and purity and holiness in front of him. And perhaps he'll go, wow, my wife is very serious about this, or vice versa. And they will start to grow in the likeness of Jesus simply by the way that you live. Now, there's so much power in this. I want to go a little bit further. That not only is it a means of grace for your spouse, but it's a means of grace for your family. Go up a few verses to verse 14. It says, For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. What Paul is saying here, he is not saying if one person in the home believes, then everyone is saved. That's not what he's saying. What Paul is saying in this moment is that the power of the Holy Spirit is so powerful that when one person within the house claims Jesus and is pursuing him with everything they have, others in the home can't help but notice. And so what I want to say to you this morning, how I want to encourage you this morning, if you woke up this morning and you went to the bathroom, you got yourself ready, you got the kids ready, you put them in the car without your spouse, you came here and it seems like this is the pattern for your life week after week after week, I want to encourage you, don't give up because your spouse is watching. Don't give up because your children are watching. What Paul is saying here is there is a gift in a person believing that changes the house. So don't grow weary. Don't think this is all for nothing. Don't give up in following Jesus. Remember that you simply living a life of honor in front of your family is a means of grace for them all. So stick with it. But I also feel the need to maybe speak to the unmarrieds in the room. Um, now, I think it goes without saying that you need to be wise in your dating relationship. If you are dating right now for marriage, you need to be praying for wisdom. And here's what I want to say to you, because you might be hearing this, well, God can use me to change them. Well, just because God can redeem a less than desirable situation does not mean that we should be going and looking for one. So if you're dating this morning and you know without a doubt that the person you are dating is not a believer, the person that you are dating is not passionately following Jesus, perhaps, perhaps it's time to part ways. That may fill your life with just some discouragement. You're like, I'll never get married. It's better, as Paul says, to be unmarried and faithfully pursue the Lord than to be linked up with someone who isn't. Let's look and see what Scripture says. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Listen, those that are dating, that are not yet in this marriage vow, this marriage covenant, 
be wise in how you date and who you date. Listen to the word of God. Exercise discernment. And perhaps, potentially, you will save yourself a lot of heartache much later down the road when you find yourself the only one pursuing Christ. I've seen it time and time again. Have some discernment about you in your dating. But you can be a means of grace for your spouse. Remember that. The second thing is we need to remember your marriage vows. Not A-E-I-O-U. Remember your marriage vows. That's from Grant. You're welcome. That's a Grant joke. Remember your marriage vows. Remember the commitment that you made to your spouse. What you may be thinking right now is, or might be tempted to think, is that if I'm a means of grace for my spouse, I need to seek every single opportunity to speak truth into them. That may be what you are, are thinking. Like, it's my duty to change them. Well, I want to encourage you to remember it's God that does the changing. Or here's also where you might be. I, I, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. I've been praying, I've been trying, I've been doing everything short of nagging just to get them with me. You don't understand how over it I am, and I'm ready to give up. That may be where you're at. What I want to encourage you, if that's you in this moment, don't give up. Remember your marriage Vows, and if we're all being honest with 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 how our weddings went, they I'm sure they went something like this: uh, for better or what, worse, in sickness and in right, something along those lines. Well, if this is your scenario, it's definitely not better. It may fall into that worse category, and this is where you need to remember. The commitment that you made to your spouse. That whatever it is that's going on, I've got to stay committed to them. I've got to love them like Christ. Now please hear me out. I'm talking about a spiritual situation. If you're going home to an abusive husband, God's word is not saying continually go home to that. No, it's not what I'm saying. This is a spiritual thing. Don't give up on your marriage And what I know is in that uh, love passage in Corinthians that probably somebody in your wedding quoted, Paul lists 15 things that love does, and it never says that love changes that person, nor does it say love runs away when things get tough. Here's what he does say. Let's go to this famous love passage in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every, what church? Circumstance. 
I'd be thinking, well, that's super cliche to read that verse this morning. Why are we reading the love passage? Because when this is the situation that you are dealing with, you might be tempted to think about love in a different way. Because the way that we perceive love oftentimes in our heart is not at all how God describes love. And in this moment, if this is you, if this is your situation that you're dealing with, maybe you need to go to the Word of God and be reminded of how He defines it. So that it can help you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Look at your spouse and love them. And to remember the commitment that you made on your wedding day. Remember your vows. Now what I don't want to do is stand up here and paint this beautiful picture that if we try really hard and pray a long time that our spouse is going to change. It's not what I want to do. Your, your spouse may not change tomorrow. Your spouse may not change next year. Your spouse may never change. Are you in it for the long haul? Are you going to stay committed? Are you going to remember what Scripture says true love is? And here's what I know, because it is a process and requires us to be patient, this gets us to our third point this morning, that we need to understand his purpose while we wait. We need to understand God's purpose while we wait on our spouse, because it's a process. What a process means is we got we to gotta let some things unfold, and many times it takes a lot of time for those things to unfold. I'm going to read a passage of scripture that's going to kind of describe maybe your spouse and what's going on in their heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. This is what it says. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. and Be patient with everyone. Perhaps this is describing some of the struggles that your spouse is dealing with. They're spiritually weak. They're spiritually timid. They're, they're lazy. I encourage you to look at the Greek on these. It's incredible what he writes here. But what Paul is saying to the church in this moment is he's talking to them about every, every person that's dealing with these scenarios. And chances are when he's speaking to the church, he's speaking to married people where one of the spouses is dealing with these. So you're probably thinking in your mind, yeah, they're, they're, they're timid in their faith, they're, they're weak, they're spiritually idle, they're numb, they don't do anything for God. This is exactly who I'm dealing with. What he says there at the end is so profound. He ends with, be patient with everyone. So while we wait on God to do a miraculous thing, we have to be patient with our spouse. And in our patience, we have to understand that God very much is wanting to do something in your life just as much as he is theirs. As the first point said, that, that, they, uh, or that you are a means of grace for your spouse, your spouse can very much be a means of grace for you. God can most definitely use that situation to grow you. God can use that situation to sanctify you and make you look more like Jesus. Let's read in the book of Romans. There's going to be a question on the screen before we get there, and I want, you to, I want you to remember this. I want you to write this down. What is God doing in you 
while you wait on them. You need to be reminded of this one. Because the first two, right, the first two points the finger at them, right? Well, well, I'm here for them. I've got to remember my marriage vows for them. Well, this last one, we kind of have to look in the mirror a little bit. What is God doing in my life? Romans 5, 3 and through 5. It says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope, salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Well, that's encouraging. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us this holy, or given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now make no mistake about it, if, if this is the situation for you, and, and we've described almost your life to a T this morning, what you are dealing with, without a doubt, is a trial. Without a doubt is a struggle. Without a doubt is something that causes your heart grief. And what we read here in Scripture is when these trials come, when these less than desirable situations, uh, uh, we're faced with them. God is so good that he takes what seems like a disheartening and broken marriage, and he can change your life in and through that situation. So he takes the brokenness and makes something beautiful out of it. That is hopeful. That should fill your heart with hope this morning. That man, in this situation right now, God is doing something in my life. He's taking the struggles that I'm dealing with. He's taking the imperfections in my spouse. And he's using those difficulties, those struggles to refine me. Wow. Thank you, God, for not leaving us alone. Amen? He's wanting to change your life. He's wanting to use your spouse to help you look more like Jesus. We need to remember that this morning. That if this is a situation that you're dealing with, it's very easy to point the finger and say, how, how dare you? I wish you would do more. Can you not just get with me on this journey? And you need to look in the mirror and say, God, what, what are you doing in my life? How can I take this situation and look more like your son Jesus? I want to leave you with this passage, Romans 15, verse 4. It says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago, to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. This morning, if you walked in here weary, because this is your current reality that we've talked about this morning, the Lord is your source of confident hope and encouragement as you wait for him to do what only God can do. I pray that the Lord fills your heart with hope this morning. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truths that are in it. God, I'm so thankful that your word addresses difficult topics such as this. God, I pray this morning that if the situation that we define, this help 
my spouse isn't with me on the journey, if that is somebody in this room this morning, I pray that you would give them strength, that you would give them encouragement, that you would give them hope. God, my heart just breaks for them. If they got up this morning by themselves, they got ready, they got the kids ready, and they came here without their spouse, and their hearts are longing for them to join them in this journey, God, it can be so very difficult. It can fill their hearts with anxiety and worry and heartache and even depression. God, I pray that you whisper hope to them this morning that you are good, that you have them, that you are holding them, and that you're going to be faithful to them. And God, I pray for the spouse this morning that is not following you. I pray that you do a mighty work in their heart that you bring them to repentance, that you bring them to salvation, that you bring them to faithfulness in following you this morning. God, work a mighty way in the hearts of your people. We love you and we're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for the cross. We ask everything in his precious and holy name.